You might have noticed that Pastor John is not here. He's enjoying a short vacation with his family, so you can be in prayer for their time. Uh, we're blessed to have Pastor Mal with us to share the word today. Mal's been in ministry for close to 60 years, and uh, he and Mary and their family have been an important part of our church for a long time, so I'll pray for Mal. Father, you are good. We praise you and celebrate you this morning, uh, who you are, how you've shown faithfulness to your people uh, for generation upon generation. Lord, we're humbled uh, that you loved us while we were yet your enemies, that you reached out and pursued us and made a way for us to be adopted into your family. Lord, we're so thankful for all you've done for us, for our church, for our families. Lord, we pray that now as Mal shares from your word that you would uh, empower him, that your spirit would speak through him. Uh, you know what uh, our hearts need to hear, and we pray that you'd help us to be receptive to your truth, that we would hear it and obey. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Keith. I have to be very careful when I preach to you because I know so many of you have so long. I know your stories. And I have to be careful that I don't share some of those stories because they would be embarrassing. Maybe to me and to you. John asked me to preach this message that I'm going to preach this morning uh, after I preached it at the men's conference. During the first service, I preached it, and someone came up to me and told me I left something out of it. They said, you explained to us why you were shaking at the men's conference. I have Parkinson's disease. I'm a real hit at parties where they need to make milkshakes. <laughs> it's a blessing to share God's word with you today. This church has been a blessing to me. I was its pastor for 15 years, from 1990 to 2005. And God has allowed me to be a member, continue to be a member of this church. That doesn't happen with a lot of pastors, and... Uh, they have to move on for some reason or another, but I was reluctant to move on. I didn't see why if you spent 15 years from, with somebody, you had to move. And I don't like to move. You ought to see my basement. You can tell I don't like to move. But this morning, I wanted to share with you from God's word something about dreaming. Probably all of you here today are a product of dreaming. A dream in your mother or father's mind and heart. More importantly, a dream in God's heart and mind. Because you were known since before the beginning of creation. That's hard to... That's hard to think about, isn't it? It's impossible that something like that could happen, that, that God could have thought about me an eternity ago. But it's true. 
Now, I want to talk to you about dreaming today because I think dreaming is important for a church and it's important for, for individuals. What do you dream about? I'm not talking about those dreams you have after you've had some bad pizza. I'm talking about what is your desire, what is your purpose in life? What do you dream about being or doing? We should be dreaming after we have our quiet times, after we read God's word. When we're alone on a long trip, we're thinking about our families, our church, our husband, our wife, our children, our grandchildren, our country. What are your dreams for the important things in life? When you were engaged, did you and your spouse to be shared dreams for your lives together? When you held your newborn for the first time, did your desires for their future life somehow or another spin through your mind? God had a will for his people, and by his spirit, he put in their hearts a dream. He spoke it to them or put it in a vision. When Noah found favor with God, Noah trusted him with an ark. The dream didn't last long after the storm because man said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. It seemed that God's dream wasn't working out very well. But he passed his dream on. He passed his dream on and appeared to Abram. He said that he would give the land on which he stood to his offspring. God encouraged Abraham by continually reaffirming the dream in covenants and in personal appearances. At Bethel, Jacob had a dream with a stone for a pillow. And in the dream, the Lord passed Abraham's dream on to Jacob. Jacob's son, Joseph, had a dream at age 17 that got him a free trip to Egypt. He dreamed that he would be Lord over his brothers. And that didn't come down well with them, so they sold him to merchants going to Egypt. Throughout God's word, he has used dreamers to get his work done. And I believe he continues to work the same way today. We need to be dreamers for our church, for our families, for ourselves, for those whom we love. We need to be dreaming God's dream for them. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joel Second chapter, verse 18. Joel comes right after Hosea and right before Amos. If somebody finds it in a pew Bible or a chair Bible as it happens to be, you'll tell me I'll share what page number it is. 
645. Thank you, Keith. Verse 28. Thank you. See, when you get old, you need help. A lot more help than you can see. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now we'll come back to the afterward. This is a promise from God through Joel that he's going to do something, but there's a condition. I want to read what God's going to do before I share with you the conditions. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. What is the context of this passage? We don't know much about Joel. However, it is likely that he was prophesying after the Babylonian exile, and he appears to be speaking to Jerusalem and Judah. There had been a plague of locusts and likely some other calamity. The people were complaining. Some were saying, God, where did you go? Are you absent? You know, sometimes when we have problems, we say, God, where are you? The people were complaining. Others were wondering if he were angry with them and holding a grudge. Some wondered if God was playing favorites and they weren't the favorite. The bottom line was not one of understanding God. The bottom line was sin. They needed to repent. Joel has exposed the moral and spiritual reality that was hidden beneath a religious facade. Look back at verse 12 in that chapter. Let's see what God's telling them. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. What do you really want? Is it something you want with all your heart? You just want the bad stuff out of your life and you don't want the strength that you need, the talent you need, the gifts you need to do God's will. Some people just want to get, the, get things out of the way that seem to slow our lives down that are not very pleasant. What do we really want with all our hearts? Goes on to say, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Take care of what's on the inside. The outside's not so important. Return to your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Aren't you glad God is slow to anger? What about your own life personally? 
What if God had gotten angry with you the first time you sinned? God's letting you go on by some biggies in your life, hoping that you would slow down in life and begin to take stock of your life and begin to see how much he loves you. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There's no one that loves you more than God. You may think your spouse loves you with unconditional love, and I trust they do, but God loves you even more. Who knows whether or not he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegrooms leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? The scriptures say that the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. And then we have the passage about the great day of the Lord. What is your dream for your church? What is your dream for your your life? It says that old men are to dream dreams. It says that young people are to to prophesy and see visions. But if you'll read it carefully, it says that everyone is going to be doing this. Something wonderful happens when God's Spirit anoints a church or a group of people or an individual. And for us to be effective in our ministry, we need to be filled with God's spirit. We need to come to a point of repentance through which God can work his wonders and his signs. Those of us who are advanced in generations can give you a history of how God blesses and how God withdraws his blessing based on repentance. This passage from Joel was Peter's text on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at what happened. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 2. Turn there if you would. Let's look at verse 42, what happened at the early church. The early church, or God's people, were discouraged. Jesus had died on the cross, he came alive again, and that should have been encouragement enough. But then he ascended into heaven. And maybe finally they would listen 
before he ascended into heaven, he says, you just wait until life's spirit comes upon you, and then you're going to see some real action. They waited. They listened. They waited. And look what happened. Peter preached this passage from Joel, the second chapter. The Holy Spirit anointed the early church. And it says in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look back at verse 21 in Joel, the second chapter, for just a moment. I'm making you work turning pages, aren't I? If your fingers do the walking, it's good that they have exercise. Notice what Joel says happens when the Holy Spirit anoints the church. In verse 21, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at what he says in verse 47 of Acts, the second chapter. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And so it's important that God's people be anointed by his spirit. If the church is to do its work effectively. It appears that Israel, or rather Judah was not pleasing God when Joel wrote his prophecy. They were blaming calamity, locusts, plagues, other things on the problem. But Joel says the problem is your hearts. What about our hearts? Are we in a place that God can dream his dream through us? This congregation is going to have some big challenges in the future. We need more room. We need a revitalized discipleship program to disciple those who are coming to the Lord. As the church grows, it needs a vital, caring system to take care of the believers. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be caring for one another. It says here in the second chapter of Acts that they were taking care of each other. And you know one of the places it touched the most, and it's the hardest, maybe the hardest place for it to touch us is in the area of finances. We're an affluent people. I've been pastor here for a while and continue to be a member, and we live in an affluent community. We're among the most favored people on the face of the earth. 
Have we come to grips with our finances? Who they belong to? We're going to do a little bit more walking through Scripture. Turn to 1 Corinthians, second chapter, verse 14. I want to read some Scripture that helps us to evaluate who we are in the Lord. It's good to evaluate yourself. The prophets constantly ask God's people to evaluate themselves. Paul is writing to a church that was divided. They had lots of problems. They had problems with marriage. They had problems with tongues, with the signs of the Spirit. They had problems with leadership. There were those who wanted to follow the teachings of Apollos. How they were different, we're not quite sure. There were those who lifted up Paul as their leader and possibly others in the church. It was being divisive. Paul says you need to evaluate yourselves. Beginning in verse 14, he he outlines three different kinds of people in the church. And I'm sure that must be true of this church as well. First, in verse 14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. This is a person without Christ. Spiritual things are a waste of time to the person without Christ. They say, it's all right for you, but um, don't bother me with it. I've got many other things to do. They're folly to him. He is not able to understand them, these spiritual things, because they are spiritually discerned. They can only be discerned by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, interpreting them. And so he talks about the person without Christ. And today there may be those of you who are without Christ. Maybe you enjoy the life of the church. Maybe you enjoy Christian people, but you've never really made a commitment of your lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a second person he's talking about. And some of you are in this category. The spiritual person judges all things. He's able to discern all things because of the Holy Spirit. But he himself is judged by no one. Only God is going to judge the spiritual person. For he, for who has understood the mind of the Lord that he has to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. There are those of you who trust God on a daily basis. You're not perfect. You sin, but you confess your sins. You reclaim the power of God through his Jesus' death on the cross. You reclaim his resurrection power. You haven't made it yet, but you know it. You live with the reality that you are a sinner and that only Christ can do something about that sin. Paul calls you a spiritual person. But there's a third person. And unfortunately, this may be 
the kind of person that's the biggest problem in a church. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. For even now you are not ready, for you are still you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You're not, are you behaving like a natural person? And this is the problem for the world around us as they see our witness. Some of us who are believer and claim, believers and claim Christ look no different than the world. We look no different than the natural man. And so they see the carnal man or the fleshly Christian and they see the natural man and they say, what's the difference? Why should I pay attention? Which of these three categories belongs to you? You see, you can't have God's dream unless you have the mind of Christ. Only Jesus can dream godly dreams. And if he's in you and his Holy Spirit controls you, you can dream a godly dream. That's exciting, isn't it? I can dream like God. I can dream like God did before the creation of the universe. I can have that kind of dream. I can dream that dream about my church. I can dream that dream about myself and what I can be through the power of Christ. I can dream that dream about my spouse, my children, my grandchildren, my friends, those neighbors that do not know Jesus. I can dream that dream for them. You know, when you're dreaming a dream about somebody, you're going to pray for them, aren't you? When you're dreaming a dream about somebody, you're going to seek to facilitate the opportunity for witness. You're going to be sensitive to your relationship with them. When you're dreaming God's dream, you see people the way they will be when they are in Christ instead of the way they are right now. One of my favorite musical comedies is The Man from La Mancha. Don Quixote is a very positive thinking person. He somehow or another has the grace of God in his thinking. He sees a prostitute and he changes her name into something that's wonderful. Her name is negative, then he changes her name to something that's positive because he sees her redeemed. Now, I don't know if the writer of this musical comedy intended that or not, but God certainly uses it. Do we see people in our lives that are without Christ the way they will be with Christ? That's a dream. That's an impossible dream, isn't it? 
I can't pull that off in their lives. Only God can do stuff like that. That's a God thing. Only God can take a confused, sin-darkened life and make it something beautiful and wonderful, filled with light. Don Quixote sings a song in Man from La Mancha. Somehow or another, this song becomes scriptural for me. One of my favorite poems, one of my favorite songs. To dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave not go, to right the unrightable wrong, to love pure and chaste from afar, to try when your arms are too weary, to reach the unreachable star. This is my quest to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And I know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to rest. And the world will be better for this. That one man, scorned and covered with scars, still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable star. What are you dreaming today? Is it something unreachable that God can touch for you? Let's pray. Would you take just a moment to sort of see where you are today, what your spiritual need is? Something we need to do every time we come to church. It's something we need to do every day. Where am I, God? If you know you're without Christ, if you know you've never trusted him, is there a better time to do that than today? To trust what he's done on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. And to trust his power in the resurrection for the power to forgive your sin and to give you life. about those of you who are spiritual 
with every intent of your life seek to serve Christ. You find it difficult to call yourself spiritual, but based on scripture, you are. Is there a higher dream I can dream? For those who are fleshly Christians, still eating spiritual pablum, What sin is there in my life that's unconfessed that I'm not dealing with? What sin is there that I need to confess and claim Jesus' forgiveness for it? For he, scriptures say if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where are you today? Lord, you know each of our struggles. You know what your spirit is saying to us today. I simply pray that we would all respond to the movement of your spirit in our lives by dreaming a new dream. By dreaming your dream for our lives. And that's eternal fellowship with you in heaven. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for a blessing? Let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you strength. And may his Holy Spirit Produce in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and go into the world to share ourselves, to share Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.